Have a seat. Good morning. You've often heard Jimmy and Mary and I kind of grouse a little bit about this lectionary that we have to preach to. Um, and that's usually when we can't really find something in there that really, you know, grabs us and speaks to us and then therefore that we can try to communicate to you. But this week, whoa, it's the exact opposite, right? An amazing bunch of readings. We've got this, this crazy story uh, from Kings about Elijah and getting chased around the country and then going and hiding out in a cave and then wind and fire and earthquakes come and then out of the dead silence he hears God speaking to him. It's a great story. That'd preach, right? I think it probably would. Um, and then we have this psalm, this like song of deep, dark despair. I mean, that, that, that's about as desperate a song as I know of. And then this wild story from Luke with the man who is suffering from demons. We would call it mental illness today, a whole legion of demons. And Jesus drives those demons out of him into a herd of pigs who then run and jump off a cliff and drown. And I'm really happy for the man, for the man who was made well. I feel sorry for the pigs. And that doesn't seem quite fair. Um, and what about the swineherds? But I'm going to go to Paul today. <laughs> because this, this, letter, this short excerpt of Paul's letter to the Galatians makes some really bold claims, right? Claims that I think we need to look at and see if we take them seriously, even today, a couple thousand years later, give or take. But Paul, what an interesting character Paul was. Paul started off as a religious fundamentalist in the Jewish tradition. Paul was so strongly ingrained in the Jewish tradition that at this time in history when these Christian, they don't think they even called themselves Christians at the time, these communities of people started appearing who were following Jesus, who believed that the Messiah had come, been crucified, rose, and ascended, and that everything in their faith had been turned upside down by this. That, that's what those early Christian communities were. And Paul's job was to search them out and to persecute them and to prosecute them. You get what I mean? Ju Paul was like the ultimate religious fundamentalist. Then one day, on the road to Damascus, he gets struck blind by a vision, and he hears the voice of Jesus saying to him, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Not why are you persecuting these people, but why are you persecuting me? And at that point, everything switched for Paul. 
And Paul started following Jesus and Jesus's message. And then Paul started spreading this throughout Asia Minor, throughout all of the Mediterranean, little communities. We, we call them the, the, the early church, but what they really were was just little communities of people scattered around who were doing their best to follow Jesus and who were doing their best to try to figure out how to live together, how to live together in community. And those communities were a mixture of Jews who were following Jesus and Gentiles. Now, Gentiles just simply means anybody who's not a Jew. So we are the Gentiles, right? Unless there are any Jewish people here today, and if there are, welcome. But so there's this strange mixture, Jews and Gentiles getting together, trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. Now, the Jews in these communities felt like this was basically a Jewish movement, and they were very adamant about the fact that, yeah, y'all can join, all you Gentiles, you can join up, but first you got to do some things. You got to eat the right food, you've got to celebrate the right holidays with us, and by the way, you Gentile men, you got to get circumcised. I might have balked at that, were I a Gentile man at that time. But this was an important thing that was going on. And, and Paul saw things entirely differently. And he said, in, in many different letters, he said over and over again, you all, you Jewish people who are following Jesus now, you keep doing what you're doing. You're not doing anything wrong. Just keep doing what you're doing. And you Gentile people, you all are welcome, and you don't have to follow the same rules. All you have to do is get together and love one another and follow Jesus. So that's kind of the background to what goes on in this letter, this uh, little piece of the letter from Paul to the Galatians today. I think sometimes I think it's hard for us to really understand what it must have been like to live at, the t at this time of Jesus and for centuries prior to that and even for centuries after that when religion wasn't just a part of people's lives, like it tends to be for us today. We can compartmentalize things. We can, com we can have our religious life over here. We can have our social life here. We can have our recreational life here. Um, we can have our family life over here. It's just the way things work in this postmodern or post postmodern or whatever world it is that we're living in these days, we get to make those choices. We can either have a religion or not. We can either have a family or not. We get to choose these things. That wasn't, these weren't choices that were available to people for centuries. Religion 
was life. Religion was what undergirded and was the foundation of everything that they did. So maybe that puts into perspective a little bit how important, really, this whole idea of Jew and Gentile was and what a tricky, what, what tricky landscape it was to navigate. Now, Paul in his letters, says a lot of things that I agree with and some things that I don't agree with, and I think that'd be okay with Paul because I think if Paul were here today, he'd be more than willing to debate every single, every single point that he makes, and I would like to be able to have that debate with Paul. It isn't going to happen. It only happens up here. But, but anyway, so Paul in this letter to the Galatians addressing this problem, he makes this incredible statement, doesn't he? He says, let me find it here. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male or fe male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine how that sounded to the people that heard this letter read? Because that was the idea. Paul would write a letter to a Christian community, and then it would be read for the community. I'm guessing that the Greeks and the slaves and the women, when they heard this, they went, yeah, right on. We didn't wait to hear something like this, not just all of our lives, but for centuries. And I suppose that the Jews and the slave owners and the free men and the men were probably like, wait, what? Hmm. Well, we'll see about that. But it's a, it's a, it is a message of radical equality. And it is a message that actually turned the, their world upside down. Because Jewish and Greek were identities that people were so, well, so identified with so strongly that to say that they don't even exist, that they are somehow imaginary, that's a radical move. And to say that there are no free men and no slaves, which the whole economy was based on, to say that that doesn't work either, and that it's not only imaginary, it's harmful. And then to say that there's no male and female. Think about that. And I'll let you draw your own conclusions about that one. This is an amazing statement. And I think that it was a statement made for 
the Christian community to, to bring them together. And I, my question for us is, about 2,000 years later, how are we doing on this? Do we feel like Paul's words, mirroring Jesus' words and expanding on Jesus' words, are an imperative to us today? That we need to work for not only a church that is all-inclusive and all-embracing where these differences don't matter, but are we called to work for a world in which these same things apply? I believe that we are. Maybe working for a world where there are no uber-rich and people who can't even scratch out a living. Maybe working for a world where economic equality is a little more equal than it is. Working for a world where gender and sexual orientation are not dividing issues, but issues that bring us together. Do we take Paul's words seriously? Do we take Jesus' words, words seriously? Well, I do. And you may say I'm a dreamer. But I've got good company. Paul was a dreamer, too. Jesus was a dreamer, too. And I know that many of you in this room, maybe most of you in this room, are dreamers too. And we're not the only ones. I'm stealing a song from John Lennon there in case anybody, in case you needed a little nudge in that direction. But all joking aside, I believe, I believe that together we can make a positive impact in this world following Paul following Jesus towards unity rather than diversity. No more Democrats, no more Republicans, no more old Jackson, no more new Jackson. Boy, do I fall into that one. <laughs> Got to keep telling myself I was new Jackson at one time, as were probably most of you. So, I invite you to join me. I invite you to join Paul and Jesus on this trudging this road to happy destiny, as we say in the recovery community. It's, it's a push, it's a pull, and it's so worth it. Amen.